Before we get started, make sure you follow the podcast and rate it five stars. It honestly helps out a whole lot. G'day guys, welcome to the Sunday Run Podcast. Today we've got a huge guest on, Sean Bell. This bloke is an ultra marathon runner. He's done multiple marathons and he's also ran from Cairns to Melbourne in 2022. Genuinely incredible stuff. He's planning to run all the way around Australia in 2024 and I really am keen to chat to him about it. He's got an incredible story, like incredible reasons behind as like to why he's running and I can't wait for you guys to hear it. It's super motivating. Sean, how are you, mate? Mate, I'm great. Thanks for the very nice introduction. Absolutely. I'm super inspired by everything you're doing. I, I want to get into to like the main reason we have you on today, but firstly, I want to talk to you a little bit, bit about running. Yeah. Um, you've been a runner for a while now and a very good one at that. What's some of the stuff you've completed? Uh, so for me, it started back in 2017, October 2017. I ran my first mal- uh, marathon at the Melbourne Marathon. Loved it, was so unprepared for it. I think looking back now at what I know, it's funny, but I was just young, naive, passionate, let's Mm. give it a go. And I did have a base fitness from football, but I went into it not knowing anything about nutrition or properly training for it. Got that done, fell in love with it, loved every bit of it. And from there, it, was, it just became my lifestyle. So I stopped playing footy and focused hard on, on running from there. And yeah, a number of ultra marathons and then events outside of ultra marathons, like uh, official ultra marathons. I love to connect my running to charities where I can. Mm. And so I've actually created a number of my own events as well. Mm, awesome. What was it about running that got you into it? It's like... I find as a young male, it's kind of rare to go from footy into running. Like you lose that edge kind of thing. I'm going through it now myself. But what was it about running that dragged you to it? I think just how good it made me feel. Um, That marathon in particular, going through the highs and lows and then eventually getting over that finish line. I was like, "This Mm. this is something else. And I knew the moment that I crossed the line that it was going to be my new football, that running was going to be my new lifestyle and I was going to give everything to it. So... Um, yeah, it's, it's been amazing the last five years. But what I found as well was my very first marathon, as I said, going into it underdone, I tapped into part of mindset, which I hadn't been before. And that was thinking about my teammates. So hmm. to take you back, 2016, a year prior, uh, I lost a friend and footy teammate. He passed away in his sleep. And to this day, they still don't know why. Um, so I think for something like that to happen so young, 18 years old, it, it crushes you and it changes mm. how you look at life. And, um, and I thought, you know, what am I doing out here? Like this marathon was so tough, but I was thinking about him and I was like, let's do this. We can do this. And, and I really felt like he gave me a lot of strength. And I, from there, realized, okay, well, what if I could do something in his name and, and also then raise money and awareness for a charity. So after that first marathon, I, I really went into it pretty hard. Not, a niche, not straight away, like the next six months, I still didn't have a coach. I ran a 60K ultra. I was still winging it, didn't know what I was doing. But following that, I was like, all right, well, I set this goal of running around Australia. So that was back the start of 2018. So October 2017 was the Melbourne Marathon. Then I come up with this goal of running around (laughs) Australia and I can get to how that truly came about because you don't just decide to run around Australia. Mm. But for me, it was, yeah, it was really 
through thinking of my teammate and I thought, well, I've got to do a number of events first to give myself the belief that I can actually achieve it. And so I said, let's come up with a campaign, campaign called Jog for Joey. And I decided that 15 months after my first marathon, I wanted to run 50 in 50 days. Mm. And so we did the Jog for Joey campaign and that raised 30K for the Compassionate Friends charity who help grieving families. So 50 marathons in 50 days, did you say? Yeah. Did you do them all around Melbourne or like where, where were you going? Yeah, mostly um, I'm based in, in Vermont in the eastern suburbs of Melbourne and somewhere also like Rosebud area, Torquay. So a bit of Victoria, uh, but all of them were in Victoria. Yeah. That's incredible when like obviously 50 marathons that is just ridiculous yeah did it ever kind of get easier for you like did, does a marathon now to you seem just like an easy kind of jog yeah it's it probably sounds stupid and I think I had a, a really um I guess big wake-up call only a few weeks ago so a few weeks ago I moved back from the Gold Coast to Melbourne I've been living on the Gold Coast for the last eight months and one of my other mates um shout out to Brett Farrago you should probably get him on the pod. He's done yeah. huge things. He just did 50 marathons in 50 days whilst working full-time and running around with two kids. Oh, my God. And uh, mate, Who are these people? <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> mate, just made very minimal fuss about it. Just a guy in Sydney just out there getting it done. And I followed his journey, looked up to him heaps and, um, and said, mate, I would love to run, run it with you. So I'd driven eight and a half hours from Gold Coast to Sydney that day, got in at 7 p.m., Meanwhile, Brett had flown from Sydney to Melbourne for work that day. As I said, he was working full-time. Worked a full day in Melbourne, flown back oh to Sydney. I pick him up at the airport at 8. We start running just before eight, uh, just before 9 o'clock mm. and finish the marathon sort of just before 1. So we're out there for, for four hours. Um, and that was a big wake-up call where I was just like, oh, yeah, I can just roll into a marathon, no, no worries. But I think um, you've got to respect eight and a half hours of driving. I'd, done, I'd already done an 8K that morning, so it was then 50K <laughs> oh, for the day. Taking the piss. Yeah. So I think sometimes definitely the passion um, does – I do can get a bit ahead of myself for sure. But mm. I think um, overall, yeah, it's, it's something that obviously I've trained harder. So you do your first marathon. I've done a half marathon before. And the second I finished that, I said never again. Like yeah. running's done for me. Obviously, then you get the itch. You want to keep going. Yeah. How do you go from doing a marathon to doing an ultra marathon? And how long in between those – yeah, so in my case, it was Melbourne Marathon, October 2017, and then um, it was the Great Ocean Road Ultra 60K uh, in May. So that was, yeah, what, about eight months later? Mm. Um, I think that's a reasonable transition from a marathon to an ultra marathon. Obviously, an ultra marathon is really anything above 50 kilometres, and it can go a long way above that. Uh, it really just does, it does depend on the event, but... Um, yeah, I think it, it comes down to training holistically and that's what I had to learn. So with football, it was all about just obviously with footy, like a lot of boys loved my upper body weights, quite yeah. weak in the legs because I'd prioritised upper. I didn't want to be too sore with my lower body when I was trying to run around and get a kick. <laughs> it's always the way. Um, and then it changed very quickly. I needed to strengthen my legs a lot to do ultra running. I need to work on my core. I need to do a little bit less upper body. And so... Um, the training as well, you know, it, it just a lot more long runs than recovery runs and then hill sprints, intervals, that mm. sort of stuff. So when you start to piece it together, yeah, it changes, it changes everything. So I, I definitely uh, would find footy pretty tough at the moment, I think. Yeah. Do you ever get the itch <laughs> to get back into it? Oh, not really. I still love watching it. Massive AFL fan. I'm a, I'm a Tigers man. So mm. um, yeah, I'll love watching the footy, but not really, not so much playing it anymore. Yeah. 
you've got some huge runs on the horizons and we'll get into that in a bit. I wanted to go back to what you've done previously, Cairns to Melbourne. Yeah. Can you explain that to me, like exactly what you did and why you did it? Yeah, for sure. So as I said, 2018, start of 2018, I set the goal to run around Australia. How that ultimately came about uh, at the end of 2016, so my mate passed away July 2016, my mum realised that I was struggling a lot, so early 2017 she took me to America to see life coach Tony Robbins, which was huge. Oh yeah. Yeah, did a four day seminar, I had no idea what I was in for, I was like, what the hell is this mum? <laughs> Very sceptical, but I gave it a go. I thought if, if she's you know, taking me over here, let's have an open mind and just listen and be a part of it. And Tony shared this story of a guy called Stu Middleman who ran 85 Ks a day for 56 days in a row across America. And I just remember sitting there in the audience, shaking my head, thinking, what a predisposed genetic freak. That is not possible. Again, I was a footballer at the time, so I didn't see it as possible. But then I went back from America. So that was March 2017. We played, I played another year of football in the under-19s at the Vermont Eagles. Mm. We went undefeated. I was a premiership (laughs) captain. And, you know, I think when you have a year like that that's so successful and yet I wasn't loving my footy as much as previous years, I thought, well, this isn't really adding up. Let's do something else. So it was three weeks later that I then ran the Melbourne Marathon, loved every minute, was like, all right, I I could do something similar. Mm. What else could we do? Thought back to that story of Shoe Middleman running across America. Put into Google, has anyone ever run across or around Australia? And at that time... I found out about a vegan couple in their 60s who ran a marathon a day for 366 days. I've heard of them. Yeah, Jeanette and Alan Murray Wakeland, 64 and 68. (laughs) They ran a marathon a day around Australia in 2013. And when I heard that, when I was reading it, like I was just, I think it was like one, two in the morning, I couldn't sleep. It was the weirdest thing that I'd ever seen in my life and felt where I had so much clarity on on who I was, what I wanted to do. Mm. And I was like, that's it. Like, I've got it. I'm going to run around Australia. I'm going to call it Jog for Joey. So that was connecting it to them, my teammate. That was the original plan. So I said that, yeah, ultimately at the end of 2017, I started 2018, thought if I'm going to run around Australia in 2021, which is the original goal, I need to do a number of events first. So that was the 50 marathons in 50 days in 2019. And I then went to the Bali and did the Bali Hope Ultra, which is 84 Ks across Bali, a number of 24 hour runs, these sorts of things. And it just builds that self-belief. You know, I always say to people, belief is built it's through work you know and and when you when you do put in the work it doesn't matter what area of life obviously that's when your self-doubts go away and um and then from there it was like okay this really is possible we obviously then go into lockdown 2020 yeah realize that it's not going to be possible to run around australia in 2021 okay well what can i do what can i what can i control maybe we can do an event that's a little bit smaller so over that time as well, I think like a lot of people through COVID, you, you reflect and I got really clear on, on what I wanted to do. And I, I felt like we'd done amazing with Jog for Joey, I raised 30K for the Compassionate Friends, as I said, but I felt like there was a charity who would mean more to me. And so I decided to pivot to call the run, run for wishes and to support Make-A-Wish because I thought if the number one lesson that my teammate taught me is life is short, we must chase our dreams now. I'm doing these runs because it's a dream of mine and I want to help other kids, sick kids chase theirs. Mm. So that's where it ultimately came from. I said, that run for wishes. Maybe we can't go around Australia in 2021, but what can we do as soon as we get out of lockdown? That's going to take a little bit less logistical prep. So that's where the Cairns to Melbourne was born. Yeah. We came up with the idea, a campaign called 60 for 60 for 60. 
which was 60Ks a day for 60 days to raise 60K for Make-A-Wish. And, uh, and yeah, we, we had a crack at that. Clocked it off, mate. That's ridiculous. <laughs> How did your body feel after doing a run like that? <laughs> um, surprisingly to a lot of people, okay. I wasn't injured. So, you know, massive shout out to all the people in my corner, my coach, my physio, podiatrists, all the people that help you prepare for something like this uh, because I didn't get injured. And, you know, I was in the gym less than 48 hours later because I felt so weak. I wanted to put some size back on mm. in my upper body. Um, I know a lot of people, a lot of your listeners would have followed Ned Brockman on his run. You lose so much weight when you're out there. You can't help it. Yeah. Like you, you can't put back the calories in versus calories burned. So it's just, it's just a bit crazy. I, I dropped How from, many calories do you reckon you're burning a day? I'd say anywhere from eight to 10,000 a day. <laughs> yeah. So I dropped eight kilos. How many do you reckon you're eating? Jeez. Uh, again, probably 8,000, 8, mm. but it's hard to eat much more than that. Yeah. And that's where it's tricky. So what, what kind of foods do you, how do you get 8K of foods in? <laughs> yeah. Uh, a lot of, a lot of liquid. And that's mm. the hardest thing is, um, you know, so I guess when you, when you talk about the daily structure, so I wake up in the morning, usually five, 6 a.m., um, usually five out running by six. Um, it's hard to eat a lot in the morning because you obviously you've just woken up. No one wants to eat a heap before they then go and run. So you're running, you're having something little to eat every eight to 10 kilometers, eat and drink, keep going, eat and drink, keep going. So I found early on, we were trying to do it really well, like eating really good nutrition. And the first 10 days I lost four kilos, mm. obviously starting in cans, hot environment too. I was just losing weight. I felt <laughs> awful. And my dietitian, she just said, no, nah, you need to eat shit. Like, just get calories in. KFC. That's and- all it is, yeah. So um, she actually said, it's going to sound ridiculous, but what I want you to do is make this smoothie at the end of the night because it was sort of this three-hour window where after I'd finished running, I had to smash food. Mm. That was the priority before I went to bed because I couldn't – I had to get some calories back in, but it's hard to eat a lot when you're running. Then you have that time at the end of the day – and then you go to sleep and it all repeats again. So mm. you have to eat a lot at that time. So I had this smoothie that was, um, <laughs> was about a litre of full cream milk, <laughs> five cinnamon donuts and three triple choc muffins blended together. So it was two and a half thousand calories. <laughs> what was it taste like? Oh, it tasted like cake mix, like yeah. when you're making a cake, but it was hard, <laughs> it was thick, it was, it was hard to get down, heaps of ice cream as well to make it mm. nice and cold. But it really did help me. And I say that because, you know, there was one day and I remember when I had no energy, you know, it was quite shitty. <laughs> Try not to be shitty at my support crew, but it's such a big part of it. You're just so, you're hurting. Your body's just exhausted. Yeah. It wasn't shitty with them. It was just more that I was quite blunt. Like I was just, I was zoned out. And I remember um, my mate Maxie who, you know, shout out to Maxie because he, he quit his job for two months to be with me as my mm-hmm. right-hand man, cooking and driving and all those things. He made me this, this smoothie. I was like, mate, I don't want that. It's the last thing I feel like. It's like, you have to have it. Your yeah. dietitian said, get it into you. It was the first time we tried it. And yeah, 10 minutes later, we've like got music pumping. I'm oh, jumping up back. and down, singing <laughs> karaoke. I'm like, what a turnaround. Yeah. So it really did help. That's awesome. What's the support crew like on a mission like that? Do you have a, a car that's driving next to you while you're running or is it kind of on your own? We'll meet you at the end. 
Yeah, it, it did depend on each state. So an ideal situation is your crew can leapfrog you. So in Victoria and New South Wales, that's what it was. So I would see my crew every eight to 10 kilometers. So it would be like, all right, let's grab something to eat. Cool. They drive ahead, which was way better for them as well. They could do their own thing, um, get my meals sorted and drinks, but then again, grab something quick and keep going. Versus Queensland, their laws was that they had to sit right behind me. So imagine I'm running on the Bruce Highway. Really? 110 kilometres an hour, and I'm going 8 to 10 kilometres an hour. <laughs> so slow. I almost feel worse for the driver. Oh, I felt terrible. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, like, it was rough. And I think, um, you know, I've had some chats to, to Queensland road authorities because they do need to change that. That's, that's ridiculous. so dangerous, not just for my crew, not just for me out there running, but even for the truckies who were going 110 kilometres an hour. So they were hating me. They were holding the horn, flipping me really? off. Yeah, but then compare that to New South Wales and Victoria. They give me big waves, smiles, mm. flicking their lights. Like it was just very different. So yeah, it, did, it does depend on each state. And that's what I think people don't realise. It's not just, okay, I'm going to run around Australia or run from Cairns to Melbourne. There's so much logistics involved. You have to get a permit from a police officer in every state. You have to get... Um, yeah, authority from Vic Roads, New South Wales Roads and so on. Mm. So in, in that car, the support crew, do yeah. you have like a cook, I, I assume, sleeping quarters? Like what's, what's the full setup? Well, next time round, so next year, uh, we've, we've learned a lot. So I mm. think doing the Cairns to Melbourne has taught me so much. And um, next time round, we want to make sure that we have two vehicles. So either two motorhomes or one motorhome, a caravan, a trailer. Um, and that's because ultimately we did just have the one vehicle with me and three others. So usually it was me and three others. There was times where it was me, Max and one other. Max was my mate that I spoke about who was there constantly. Outside of Maxi, people came as volunteers for a week or two, whatever they could get off work. Mm. So I had family who would fly to Rockhampton, stay with me to Sunshine Coast, then they'd go out, then other people, would, other friends would come in at Sunny Coast and then stay at Ballina, and that's sort of how it worked. Um, and yeah, they've all got different roles, no doubt, but I think none of them are like proper chefs or anything like that. It's more just let's rotate who's driving, let's rotate who's cooking, um, let's organise grocery shops that was a big one and just being being efficient so making sure we're doing click and collect rather than mm. them having to go in and and get it all done like that so yeah there's a lot of logistics that people don't think of but always give credit to my crew because it can't happen without them you know there's amazing people out there who do unsupported feats but you just can't quite push as far if, if it's unsupported mm. you know if you're doing you're carrying all your gear yourself so you've done cans to melbourne you've done 50 and 50 now you've decided to do a run around Australia. So early 2024, you're going to set off from Melbourne, 13,791 kilometres in less than 175 days. Is that yeah. correct? Yeah, that's the goal. You're in that case. <laughs> Attempting to be the fastest person to run around Australia, you want to break Dave Alley's record, who, yeah. which is your mate. Um, so that's going to, you need, going to need to do 78.72 kilometres per day for five and a half months. It's huge. That's ridiculous, mate. So break it down for me. So this is your run to come. So 2024, yeah. you're going to run around Australia. Yeah. Why are you doing it? And what spurred you to do it? Yeah, no, great questions for sure. So as, as I sort of touched on, that was the original goal. It was around Australia. It has changed a little bit, pivoted from Jog for Joey to Run for Wishes. Mm. Um, so still proudly supporting Make-A-Wish with this run. 
and this time a much bigger goal. Uh, the, the goal this time is to fundraise 1.4 million to represent the 14,000 kilometers that I'm running. Mm. So it's, Dave Valley's current record is 13,791 kilometers and massive shout out to Dave. He is a friend of mine. And I think so often, you know, people might see someone else coming in to take a record and they wouldn't want to help. Mm. Dave couldn't be any more opposite. He's been like, mate, I reached out to him in 2018. As I said, that was the goal back then. And it wasn't a record attempt back then. But you do something like Cairns to Melbourne and you recover so well and it builds belief. Mm. And I feel like, you know, from a record attempt as well, it really helps with fundraising. People get behind it. And, you know, shout out to Ned Brockman. Like I followed his run and I think to raise 2.6 million, it's incredibly tough to do. You know, everyone's out there fundraising for causes that they're passionate about. And it's just shown that, no, this is possible. Mm. And so I think, um, yeah, there's a number of reasons why that, that record. But again, for Make-A-Wish, I'm, I'm incredibly proud of, of their organisation and the work that they do. And I've had the honour of being able to meet some sick children and their families and realising firsthand how much it means to them when wishes do come true. Every wish is unique. You know, one child's wish might be to run with their favourite AFL team. One might be to go to Disneyland. One might be to get a puppy. But what it means to that young girl or, or young boy is huge. Mm. And, and so for me, if I can connect something I love, something that means a lot to me in running, something that I'm great at to use to help and inspire others, then why wouldn't I? Mm. So I think let's raise the bar, let's go for this big run. And, and um, as I touched on, 14,000 kilometres. So <laughs> Dave didn't do Tassie. Yeah. I want to do Tassie because I want to feel like I've truly done everything around Australia. Mm. Uh, but the way we've sort of worked it out is that I have to, to beat his record, I have to run the same kilometres, the so 13,791 in less than 175 days, four hours and 49 minutes. If I can knock that over, then obviously I might still have a few hundred Ks to go, including Tassie, but that's all good. And that's, so what it will involve as well is I must run a minimum of 20 kilometers a day. Mm. That was because when he broke the record from a previous guy, Ron Grant, that was the rule that he had as well. Mm. So Dave had a toe infection that nearly derailed his project, a big toe infection. If you get a bad infection, it can go through a whole lymphatic system and, and definitely change the game. Um, but no, he was able to recover from that and uh, that's what he said. So, mate, good luck. Minimum 20Ks a day. So <laughs> there might be some days where, you know, touch wood, um, but some days where you do have some form of injury where it's 20 to 40Ks and then to make up for it, it'd be 100 plus days as well. Couple of questions. That's incredible, <laughs> firstly, mate. First question is, what have you learned from the Cairns, uh, the Melbourne, Cairns to Melbourne run? that you're going to kind of apply to this run around Australia? Yeah, there's, there's a lot of things. I think one I touched on before with multiple vehicles, logistics is huge. You know, we had in, mm. in Queensland when they were sitting behind me, imagine driving for eight to 10 hours and then having to get to the campsite and then cook food, cook dinner, then wash up, then go to sleep. Uh, it was also really tricky because we had just the one vehicle. I could never be upset at my support crew. They were there to help me. But at the same time, I'm like wedged in the corner in the bed with an eye mask on and some earphones trying to sleep while they're washing dishes or yeah. talking about the plan of attack for the next day. So multiple vehicles is a big one. We'll definitely mm. do that. Um, I think one of the things that we will be doing as well is have a bit more of a strategy. So last time it was just purely run. Run those eight to 10 kilometers, have something to eat and drink, keep going again. 
That works, definitely breaking it down. But one thing that I'm trialing in a couple of weeks from now, so two weekends, well, not this weekend coming up, but the one after, I'm doing a 24-hour run. Mm. And I've heard some really good things from people around running for 13 minutes, walking for two minutes. Because mentally it helps you break it down and it gives your body a chance. Then you can eat and drink in those two minutes, but all of a sudden you're running 13 minutes, you're not running 80Ks for the day. Mm. Or you're running 13 minutes, you're not running for 24 hours. That's huge what that does for the mind out there in breaking it down. Yeah, that's incredible. What about, I mean, obviously all the runs you're doing are going to help your run around Australia. Is there anything you're specifically doing to prepare your body for such a long run? Yeah. Like, I mean, obviously training in the gym, but more like the longevity wise, can you do anything in, in that regard? Yeah, it's, it's quite interesting. There's so many different approaches when it comes to this. And before I was coached, I would have thought it's just all about massive mileage. So, mm. you know, in training, be doing 300 kilometer weeks, because if you're going to go out there and run say 80 Ks a day, well, that's 560 Ks a week. Mm. So I would have thought 300 kilometers a week, but when you're working as well, like uh, there's obviously other things that, so when you're out there on the road, yes, it's a huge amount of Ks, but the pace is so slow. You've got all your other things being taken care of. You've got a support crew looking after you with food. A lot of your, well, you don't have any work stress, your family stresses, things like that are looked after. Mm. So it's, it's some, it's such a hard thing to explain to people because most people don't get the opportunity to take that on. Uh, but it's a very beautiful thing. Like I've been out there on the Cairns to Melbourne run. I couldn't tell you what day it was or what date it was other than the fact that it was day 43 of my run. Mm. And that's pretty special. You know, you're in just your own world with your support crew doing that. But, but no, to answer your question with training and preparation, uh, it'll be sort of 100 to 130 kilometre weeks of running but at a lot of intensity. And so people don't realize, again, the carryover from doing a hard hill sprint session where you're building mm. the strength, you're building muscle, you know, strength in your, in your core and in your glutes and your hammies, quads, it's huge. And that's exactly how I prepared for Cairns to Melbourne. So why, do we cha- why would we change a formula that worked? Mm. So, um, you know, in the past, it was more 80 to 100 kilometer weeks. I will lift that load a little bit, as I said, 100 to 130. Um, but a lot of hill sprints, long time in the gym we're talking like six sets of deadlifts six sets of back squats six Mm. sets of hip thrusts could be a session just building durability in the glutes so it's it's huge but Mm. i think one mistake that a lot of runners make is they focus on very high reps and lower weight now you want to think about when you're running and you're doing your long run on your weekend or your tempo runs that's your opportunity to get endurance when you're in the gym focus on strength you need a strong body to help you hold up when you're out there mm. for a long time. So it's what you're doing in the gym that will carry over so you run with better form and posture. Um, and so use that time in the gym to focus on heavier weight, lower reps, and then have a rest. So you know, the way I train in the gym could be four to six sets of something, no more than six to eight reps, quite heavy, rest for two to three minutes. Mm. And that just builds strength, not just in your muscles, but in your bones and your tendons and allows you to, to be out there for a long time. Is that something your coach is designing for you, like that kind of workout, or does he more do the running side? No, so my coach had, has done everything for me. Um, strength, he's obviously got a background in strength and conditioning and mm. with running as well. Um, but, yeah, it's been a, it's been a pretty tricky time for me. So... My coach actually passed away on the Cairns to Melbourne run and that was day seven I heard the news. So, you know, devastating. And to hear someone you love pass away, someone who's been so instrumental in your life, um, it does change a lot of things. And, And so out there, that's when I decided to raise the bar. So I mentioned before 
3,600 Ks was the original Kansas to Melbourne, 60 for 60 for 60. But I had to look at it and be like, yeah, I'm hurting right now, I'm grieving. But I, couldn't be, I wouldn't be out here right now if it wasn't for my coach who put me in this position. So let's raise the goal to 4,000 kilometres and let's try and raise 100K for Make-A-Wish. Mm. We were able to do that, which was incredible. incredible. yeah. I think, you know, looking back, I could have been smarter in coming away from the run. You know, looking at, at Ned Brockman and how he's backed off on the, on the other side of his run, looking at Erkana Murray-Bartlett, who just did 150 marathons, 150 days, these people a lot smarter because they were coached out of the out of the journey as well. Yeah, it's just as important, isn't it? It's so important. I didn't have that. You know, mm. I'd lost my coach and I didn't really know what I was doing. I know how important training is for my mental health. And so uh, I found myself in this period where I didn't want to run, but I wanted unstructured training. I played a lot of tennis. I made mm. the move to the Gold Coast. Very fortunate that one of my mates, Josh, he's an adventure photographer, a bit of an entrepreneur, Travelled the world and he said, mate, I'm going away for three to four months. Do you want to jump in my place and just pay the rent while I'm gone? Yeah, great result. Not be on the lease. I was like, mate, <laughs> outside of, outside of uh, work, that's exactly what I want to do. Lay yeah. on the beach. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> so it was the best way to recover after the Cairns to Melbourne run. Mm. But I didn't really have, yeah, I guess that proper understanding of how to come out of a run so big. So I've learned a lot. Right mm. now I'm working with some other experts, but I don't have a coach per se. I'm a level two run coach myself and I'm writing my own program. Um, so it is a different route to probably what a lot of people would take. But I've learned so much through working with Jace over the past few years. Like he coached me from uh, August 2018 through to when he passed in April of 2015, mm. uh, 20. 2022. I guess there'd be some huge benefits there in you making your own running program. Like you, you know your body best. Yeah. You know your body better than anyone else. Do you find as you're making your running program, like it is easier to kind of not slack off? Like there's no way you'd be slacking off. But are you making changes to your programming considering you are making it yourself? Like are you doing something different for yourself that you would for anyone else? Well, it's a great question. I think initially I was like, I need to find another coach. I need to find another coach. And I, I had a conversation with quite a few coaches out there and they're like, mate, I don't know how to prepare you to do something like this. How do you, how do you train someone to do something like this? They're like, but you should back yourself because you know your stuff, you're a qualified coach and also you've done it. You've also got all your old notes and resources of how you prepared for Cairns to Melbourne. So don't change a formula that worked. Mm. For me to run 4,000 Ks in the 60 days and not get injured, that's a great sign. Mm. You know, oh, yes, I was tired on the other side, of course. Anything like that, it's an, it's an ultramarathon a day. Um, <laughs> you're going to be tired on the other side in terms of central nervous system fatigue. But to not be injured, well, that's your biggest indicator that it worked well. Mm. So I think a lot of the time... It's not just about going out there and running these long, low it's these long, slow Ks. Definitely doing that on the weekend, of course. So building up that mileage is really important. But also, how else can you incorporate smarter training? So strength training, those hill mm. sprints, intervals, those sort of things. So, like. For example, yes, I'm training myself right now, but it's still hard work. Yeah. And uh, we are, as I said, today, April 6, April 15 is my next next event, which is a 24-hour run, the Coburg 24. Mm -hmm. uh, my goal is to run 200 kilometres this time, which will be a big PB for me. How does that work? Is that like around a circuit and you just keep going for 24 <laughs> hours? Athletics track. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> Circles, 400 metres, 24 hours. Oh, mate, that is brutal. <laughs> How do you... <laughs> Do you put headphones in or? Yeah, there'll be definitely be a section where I listen to music. Yeah, I think I try not to overthink it too much. 
As I touched on before, that 13-2 strategy, I've been uh, told by other people to try that. That's pretty popular with people who do mm-hmm. these track events for 24 hours. Give it a go. It might be that 13-2 doesn't work for me, but I run for 20 minutes and walk for four minutes works mm-hmm. better for me. I don't know. Yeah, you I've it never out. done it. I've done two 24-hour runs in the past where I just said, no, I'm going to run. And I remember the first year I was like 70K in, there's a a photo of me running and eating a burger. Like that's just so dumb. (laughs) I had no idea what I was doing. But since then I learned from people, again, who are better than me, who have done this sort of running and they're like, mate, you need a strategy. What if you can have a little period where you're power walking, you you know, you're like power hiking and you can eat there. That's Mm. just going to keep on top of your fuel and then you're running, you're dialed in and what that does for you mentally. Uh, but yeah, like to, to get back to what I was saying, like my, my week last week was my peak week. I'm now in a, a taper before mm. this event. And, you know, that was 90Ks for the week, but two speed sessions in there, one of them being 6-1K reps flat out. Mm. Um, you know, one of them being a hard park run, so 5K flat what out. Flat, what's flat out like in terms of pace? Uh, around yeah. 320. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. So, so like park run the other day was 17.42 for the 5K. Oh, my God. So you're giving <laughs> it a nudge. Um, but then it's uh, there was three lower body strength sessions for the week plus mm-hmm. uh, one upper and and then um, yeah those two speed sessions as I said uh, and then a lot of easy runs and a long run so it's piecing it together I think um, what a lot of people do when they're getting into running and this was me as well before I had a coach before I got this knowledge is I would just try and run the same run every day and try and break a PB mm. that's so common yeah but in what sport if you just take a step back and you think about that in what sport do they ever go flat out every day mm. AFL soccer basketball it doesn't happen no no way so you have to have within your training periods of hard work where your intensity is sky high but the volume is less and then you have periods where the volume is higher but the intensity is less and that's like your weekend long run you we've touched on the the physical side what about from a mental perspective are you doing anything i mean obviously you've got a huge amount of mental fortitude but are you doing anything to keep building on that like do you meditate uh, so on meditation not really it's uh, it's a weird one I've tried to get into it Same. I know I know you need to get into it everyone says you've just got to keep going gotta with do it. it you'll find it <laughs> I still haven't been able to commit to it Same. so no I'm not going to say that I meditate because definitely don't but I think for me it's just trying to find some time each day to be mindful I found that a lot easier when living on the Gold Coast because being the surf every day mm. what that does for you is massive um, but from a mental point of view It's just, yeah, that's where you can build mental toughness in these hard sessions. So again, if I'm just going out there running 40Ks a day, very slow, that's going to take up so much time Mm -hmm. in my weeks when when I'm working as well. Um, but when I am um, doing a six by one K rep session at 320 pace, or when I'm doing, you know, a hill sprints sprint session where the hill is 90 to two minutes in length, like it's it's a really long hill and it's very steep, and you got to do 15 reps, hard up, jog back down, that builds your mental toughness. So. Mm. For me, the mental toughness really comes through the work that I've done. And, you know, this is something that Goggins always talks about. He's like, people always talk about self-talk. Well, yeah, self-talk's great as long as you've done the work. Mm. It's like the kid saying saying to themselves at school, I'm going to pass this test, I'm going to pass this test. Well, if you haven't done the work for it, you're kidding yourself. But if you've done the work and then you've got that positive self-talk, 100%, that'll carry over. Mm. Whose inspirations for you? Like, what... I mean, I think I figured out why you want to do this and and we'll get into that in a second, but do you look to anyone for inspiration? 
Yeah, definitely. There's been a number of key mentors in my life who have, have helped me and I guess shaped me as the person I am today. And the biggest one's probably Samantha Gash. So don't know, are you a Survivor fan? No, I've, I've never never watched it. No, nah, I'm, not, I'm not really a Survivor fan. I've watched her series. So mm. she was on that. Her husband and Mark actually won the last season of Survivor. Um, but she is a phenomenal runner. Um, mm. She's run across India. She's run across South Africa. Just recently transversed to Nepal loves connecting her running to charity and she was one of the pioneers of the running for change movement and running for change is ultimately people who run like what I do to connect their love for running to charity to then make a difference exact same as what Ned did exact same as what Okana did Samantha was one of the pioneers in that space so um, you know I looked up to her so much in 2017 having run that marathon then falling in love with the sport I want to find more people doing this stuff. Who could I reach out to? And I heard Samantha Gash for the first time on the Ritual podcast and I was like, she's awesome. Mm. I, want to, I want to connect with her. Like, I've got nothing to lose. What if I just send her a DM, see what comes of it? She might give me a few tips. So I sent her this message saying, hey, Sam, I want to run around Australia in 2021. I had a friend pass away. I want to do it in his honour and make a difference. Uh, I know you've done a number of feats and if you could give me any advice, I'd great, you know, greatly appreciate it. She said, mate, where do you live? I said, Vermont. She was in the Dandenong Ranges, which was oh, awesome. 20 minutes apart. Yeah. I had no idea. Mate, she had a coffee with me for, 20, for, for two hours. She then connected me with Jason DJ, Jace being my coach who changed my life. So mm. you just never know what's possible. You could be one connection away from someone changing your life. And yeah, Samantha's been instrumental. Dave Valley, who I spoke about, the current record holder, he's given me all the advice in the world. Um, another guy, Matt Daniels, who's a father of four, I think father of five now, uh, and he's run 55 marathons in 55 days. And even while working full time, 535 half marathons in 535 days. Oh my God. So you find these people. <laughs> Who are these people? Yeah, mate, I can connect you with them 100%. <laughs> oh, no, I don't want to. <laughs> you can find these people and when you see, yeah, these people have shown what's possible. If mm. they can do it, why isn't this possible for me? And I think that's the biggest thing I share with people as a speaker in schools. It's like, you know, I'm not telling you to go running. That's not the message here. It's find what you love and go for it wholeheartedly. Mm. And you can fast track that success by finding mentors in the space. Success leaves clues. Who can you find who's already out there doing what you'd love to do mm. and you could connect with? Because more often than not, they actually want to help you. You know, they had to get help to get to that point themselves. They then want to pay it forward. That point you mentioned, like just reaching out, reaching out to Samantha, like you would never expect a response. Mm. And I reckon nine times out of 10, you actually do get a response. I always say to people like, reach out for mentorship, reach out for help. Even if you don't get a response, you might get, you know, just like something out of it and so much mm. can happen. Huge. Last kind of question in regards to this is why? Like, what's your reason for, for all of this? And I don't just mean the running, I mean mm. like the, the speaking, you know, speaking at schools and stuff. Yeah. Such a drive to help others. Like mm. what makes you want to do all this? Yeah, it's a great question. For me, as I said, it, it does come back to losing my teammate at 18. That scared the shit out of me. You know, for him to be healthy and, and go to bed and not wake up, it changes your life. Um, he, I was sitting next to him on a Thursday night. We'd finished training, um, dinner and team selection. Um, there was two sides in the Vermont under-19s. He was in the twos as in the ones. And so we were real close squad though. And we would always catch up following the games. And we finished our game, walked out of the change rooms, heard from our coach um, who was in tears on the phone, the Jesus. news. It changed all of our lives in that moment, you know. And 
when something so significant happens at such a young age, I, I see it all the time and it, it crushes me where people, it does unfortunately take a dark moment, like losing someone they love, like you know, someone they love being diagnosed with a critical illness for them to start chasing and living their dreams. And I do feel very lucky that I found running because running for me was something that really helped me in my grief of Joey. And then from there, it was like I ran that marathon and I started to really fall in love with it. And I've then been able to create something with running. But ultimately, the reason I'm so passionate about what I do with my running, with my speaking, is to inspire others to chase their dreams now. Mm. You know, originally when I started out on the speaking circuit, my message was chase your dreams now, we're not promised tomorrow. I wanted to be a little bit more, I guess, careful with that message to not scare school kids in yeah. particular. <laughs> um, you know, I never want to scare these children, but I also want to remind them how short and precious life is and they only have one life and to go for it. So my message as a keynote speaker, chase your dreams now and be the best you can be. And I think that there's a lot of power in that. And, you know, I just hope that other people can get to the other end of their life. You know, they're 80, 90 years old sitting in their rocking chair and they look back proud because they've lived the life that they truly wanted to live. One thing that I do share as a keynote speaker is one of my biggest role models, I've never met her personally, but I look up to her so much, is Ash Barty. Mm. Not just because the way she performed as an athlete to get to world number one, also how she carries herself as a person. She's an incredible person. We can all see that. But thirdly, because she stepped away at the highest level. Mm. You know, she stepped away because it wasn't her dream anymore. It was society's dream for her to continue. Mm. She knew that it wasn't her dream. And I think someone who has the courage to chase their dreams and to inspire and help others to chase theirs, it's huge. And that's what my life's about. Mm, absolutely. What's living for you? Like you mentioned you want to live every single day, but like what do you define like for yourself? Is it lying by the beach? Is it going for a run? Is it feeling absolutely cooked, you know, in an ultra marathon? Yeah. What's it look like for you? It's a great question. I think it's a number of those things. Like there's still this athlete inside of me that as a little boy wanted to play AFL and that will never go away. So yeah, that's, where, that's where, again, there's that connection to ultra running. It's like that lights a fire inside of me. I want to push my physical and mental limits and see what I'm capable of. Mm. And that's where a lot of this comes from. But then it was then losing Joey and going through all that where it's like, okay, well, I can get that. I can push my mental and physical limits but let's use that to help others so that doesn't mean every single event's a charity event it's so hard to do that yeah, you know of course. of course there's so much there's fundraising and all of that you can't do that with everything but I always encourage people to yeah to connect their whatever they're doing to charity if they if they want to and they don't have to of course not but I think that um, sometimes people feel like I don't know. Sometimes people feel a little bit confused, I guess, in the charity space or I don't know if I should do this. Like it looks like, yeah, just something that I shouldn't take on. It's such a big thing. I don't want to make it too big. But if you can truly use what you love to do and make a bigger impact, then why wouldn't you? Mm, absolutely, mate. It's fantastic. And thank you so much for coming on today. People want to support. If people want to get involved, where can they find you and, and how can they support? Yeah, so Sean Bell on Instagram, Sean Bell underscore underscore. Good, <laughs> double find, underscore. You'll find that, yeah, that's Sean Bell bastard. He's got the, yeah, he's got, he's got double the underscore. Mate, the original Sean Bell, whoever he is, can't get it off him. Oh, mate, surely we could hit, hit up someone <laughs> on Instagram. Let's change it up. <laughs> yeah, no, Sean Bell underscore. But yeah, mate, thanks so much for having me on. It's been a pleasure. Stripper. Thank you guys for listening.